I didn't know if my business was going to become as successful as I needed it to become in order to support my family. At the same time, I didn't know that if I pursued the PhD that I would end up with tenure. (laughs) Either way, it was a risk and I kind of just had to weigh where does my passion lie? What makes me feel really good, like at the core? What makes me feel like I'm giving back in that way that I've always felt like I needed to do? Welcome to another episode of Academics Mean Business. This is your host, Dr. Lindsay Padilla. Today we have on the show Amber Brooks. Amber Brooks is a copywriter and has been running a copywriting business for the last uh, probably about a year or two years maybe. Um, And this is an interesting episode because Amber actually went through her BA program and applied to lots of other graduate schools and was about to go to graduate school when she came across me, (laughs) which is funny and and interesting and inspiring all in the same breath because we recount that. I, I literally open up our Facebook Messenger chat during the interview and read it out loud what we talked about. But without giving away what happens, you know, Amber was inspired by my presentation of self online. And so she was about to go into a PhD program and decided that it wasn't the right move. And her seeing me as a professor say that this doesn't have to be the path was a turning point in her life. So I thought she would be fun to have on the show because I think it represents probably what many of the listeners might be going through. If you're a PhD student and you're currently in one and considering leaving, or maybe you're even debating getting into um, and going further with your grad work. So I think she presents a really great angle. And then we also talk a lot about what it was like for her to have a professor believe in her. Um, She actually didn't come from a very academic family. And so she wasn't really pushed um, to really go into education. And there were um, a few professors in her life who said, you're really good at this. You should keep going. And so just having that conversation, I thought was also really fun and reminded me of what it's like to be a professor and the impact that you can have on people's lives. So you will love uh, listening to her. And she also shares you know, how she started her business and when she started it and how she made the decision. So I think this is an interesting episode, a definitely a different angle than some of our other episodes. And I think you're really going to enjoy it. So without further ado, I bring you Amber Brooks. Welcome to the show, Amber Brooks. I am so excited to have you on. Hey, Lindsay. Thank you for having me. I'm so excited to be here too. Yeah, this is going to be a fun conversation and and a little bit different, um, kind of a little bit different of a story that we're presenting here. Um, But I love doing that because I do know that there are listeners that are on all stages of their academic and entrepreneurial journey. And so Amber had the idea to, uh, to pop on because we've known each other for a little while She's been in my space and we've been hanging out, you know, doing this thing, doing um, just online business, I guess, whatever we want to call it uh, for a few years. Amber, how long have you been? You've been in business. I've been in business two years, about the same as you, I think. Yeah, that makes yeah. sense. Yeah. Like, I think I, I'm like two and a half ish. If I, if I, I think in like technically in June or July is when I got my first like paying client as the type of business I do now. So um, cool. Yay. Nice. Uh, so Amber, we uh, love to start with our academic backgrounds here, of course, on this show, the namesake of the show, right? 
So tell us a little bit about what you studied and like why you studied it, why you fell in love with it and share that, you know, education journey, uh, whatever parts you think would be relevant for the audience. Totally. Yeah. So first of all, when I decided to go to college, it was because my husband had gotten laid off during the recession. Um, Mm. He tried for three months to get a job, couldn't get a job because he didn't even have his GED. And I knew that it was time for me to kind of step out of the stay at home mom role and step up so that I could contribute. So Mm. I decided to go to college. I didn't know, though, that I would even get in. Honestly, I was so nervous Mm. when I applied. (laughs) So I applied to a community college first because I thought, you know, maybe it would be easier to try to go that route. And I went to community college for uh, my associates of arts and science. And then I went on to university for my degree in English with a minor in religious studies. Awesome. And then where does this online kind of space enter into the conversation? Because I kind of know based on how we met. So you can share a little bit about those beginnings and like what you were debating and, um, you know, sharing that piece of uh, what you were going through, I guess. Yeah. So as I moved through community college and university, I continually kept having professors kind of encourage me to pursue teaching and Mm -hmm. they were really cheering me on and making sure that I knew that there was a lot of talent there that I wasn't recognizing um, Mm. and really helping me build up my confidence as, as someone who could step into my own identity. Right. So I could, I had been this like stay at home mom for so long I didn't think I had anything to contribute back to the world. And then I go to college Mm. and I find out like, I'm actually good at this thing. I'm actually really good at research. I'm actually Mm. really good at writing. It's just what I do. And when I moved on to university, I actually had several internationally known professors step up to the plate for me and Mm. do recommendations for grad school and stuff. And so you know, my whole life, I've always felt like this innate urge to give back somehow and to find a way to encourage others and support others in finding, you know, their own path or something that they're good at, or just like lifting others up. And so when I found my magic in writing and research, and then started to follow the teaching path, I kind of realized I could put those two together to support Mm. students in, in, you know, finding their own identity and finding their own path and then pursuing that. And then when I got my BA, I graduated and I, I took a semester off in between my BA and grad school. Mm -hmm. And I applied to over 40 jobs because obviously my family needed you know, financial support. And so I thought I just, I'll just work during this time and contribute to my family Mm. and just kind of like take my mind off of my academics for a semester. But what ended up happening was that I kept getting shut down from all of the jobs I was applying. And so the only people that would actually look at my resume were 
employers and positions that I could have gotten before I had my BA, right? So it was like really Mm -hmm. disappointing to me Mm -hmm. that I had went through all of this, honestly, adversity, because a lot of stuff actually went down during my time in college. Um, And I went through all of this and, and gotten this status, right? And then couldn't do anything with it. (laughs) Mm -hmm. So I was really, really frustrated. And I remember leaving an interview and I walked outside the building, I sat in my car and I just thought to myself, this is not my path. This is not Mm. what I'm meant for. I can do better than this. I can do better than sitting in the corner of a warehouse by myself, filling out spreadsheets. (laughs) This Mm. is not Mm. what I'm meant for. So I immediately went home that day and started researching work at home jobs using writing and research. And I came up with copywriting and mm. content VAs. So I was like, okay, well, I'm just going to do that because I don't need anyone to tell me that I can only make $8 an hour sitting in a warehouse somewhere, you <laughs> yeah. know? Yes. Okay, cool. So you basically started to do your own research about like how to make money online, but maybe not exactly like that, but like how to, how did work from home is the language I heard you use. Right. Um, right. And then you saw that your skill set was kind of represented in this space in, in some ways when you started to dig a little bit deeper. Yeah. Yes. Yeah, exactly. So when did you, if you could put me in that time period, um, so, cause I, I, you know, I like sharing also how people stumble across this as well, but like, so you're probably listening to some podcasts, maybe ending up on some people's YouTube channels or something like that. Right. And then you're like, oh, cool. Yeah. This is interesting. So you, um, I, uh, so tell us about that, like really early stages of like getting your first client or like making your first decisions about how you wanted to, you know, build a business. Okay. So uh, first of all, I'm a type A, like INTJ. I have to do everything <laughs> by the book. <laughs> yeah, pretty sure Super most of the academics on this show are type A. Like I'm pretty <laughs> positive. Not all of us, but it's true. There's some, there's some strain of that for sure. Okay, cool. I, have I a love good that connection. <laughs> yeah, exactly, exactly. We get you. Um, we get you. So, cool. <laughs> so I, uh, I noticed that there was the space, like you said, and there were mm-hmm. people who were not just working at home for other people, but actually creating their own kind of destiny off mm. of this kind of situation that people had, right? And so I immediately went right into talking to an accountant, a lawyer, and setting my business up right from the get-go. I love that. Very professional. So I went right into the LLC. I talked to a lawyer and set up contracts, um, talked to an accountant, set up you know my business accounts and all of that. And then I just found a couple of communities where I could learn how to Mm. actually be a business owner because being a business owner isn't something I ever thought I would be, honestly. Mm. Um, So I found a couple of communities, like I said, that were teaching people how to be business owners and then just started saying, you know, hey, I have this background in writing. I was a managing editor during my time at university for a couple of years and this is what I can do. Can I help you? Can I write some stuff for you for your business? I just started kind of getting clients that way through Facebook mm-hmm. groups. Cool. 
And when did you decide and pretty much know I'm not going back to school? Because <laughs> was that still on the table? <laughs> like, was that like a backup plan? Were you going to see how this panned out? Like, what was going on um, in your head around that? Oh my gosh, it was a struggle. It was mm. really a mental struggle because on the one hand, at first I thought that I was just going to run this business. And then when it was time for me to go back to school, I would kind of like back off a little bit and have it as a side hustle. Mm. Um, but the more clients I worked with, like the more in my zone I got. And the more that I realized I would be able to make a bigger impact working with people individually and with companies and then having that ripple effect than going to university where my colleagues who were still in university at the time were telling me about how they couldn't get tenure or they couldn't even get adjunct jobs. Um, they couldn't get the pay that they deserved. So it was like all of these different things swirling around in my head at once. And then you add on to that, that I had three internationally known professors up to bat for me. Like they had written these amazing recommendations. They were checking in on me and it was like, it was like an internal battle, right? Like, do I go mm. back? I have all of these, you know, uh, what I felt were kind of like obligations, not, mm. not only obligations, but I'm also like, I have people bad for me. And like, I don't want to ruin this. Like, what if I change my mind and mm. I want to go back to school and I'll have to lose those recommendations? You know what I mean? So yep, it was a struggle for a while. But I think what, what was the, I don't think, I know the <laughs> turning point was actually when I got in connection with you, honestly. Yeah. And I, I find this so interesting because I remember that blog post you wrote me. I remember where I was <laughs> where when I read it because I was... Um, leaving Salulita, I think, um, when, when I was house sitting. And I know I've mentioned that on the podcast. And I remember you messaged me and you're like, so I wrote a little thing. And I was like, what? And you're like, well, I don't think you realize like how much you've like impacted me. And I was like, oh my gosh. And I remember reading it being like, whoa, like this podcast, this like my presence, my background, like really like helps people make a not... I don't know. It's a di it shows a different way of being in the world, I guess, as an academic. And so um, I, I, I totally remember that um, that moment. So that was the first time I realized the impact that me showing up in the way I do, I guess, with the, you know, leading as the academic really, you know, uh, was having something bigger, I guess, having a bigger impact than I even expected. Um, so, yeah, why don't we talk a little bit about that? And I also kind of want to tap in a little bit, too, into what was going on mentally, because it's something that I think a lot of people would resonate with on this show, um, because what's interesting about Amber's story is this is, you know, she put everything in motion to do the path and become a professor. And there were teachers that believed in her, which we all know what that does for us. And then and then feel like you're letting them down or or like this yeah. isn't what you know this isn't you know especially business it's not the safe it's a lot more risky and like going to school is always touted as this very like safe choice but you, what you're painting and it and I think a lot of us on the show have talked about is this idea that it's actually not that safe that there's lots of people around us not getting jobs and not getting employment or having stability and so what was once a really you know, uh, clear choice is now a little less like, oh, well, maybe there are, 
you know, other things I could be doing instead. Um, because that time that you would put into a PhD is a lot of time and energy, and then you might not get the job, um, right? Or, or even an adjunct position, which is really tough. Totally. Yes. Yeah. So I don't know if you want to share. Uh, I know. I don't know. Like maybe what, what, what are you feeling like you would want to communicate to someone who's potentially um, because as many of our people maybe have already maybe they're in a program right now or maybe they just graduated like there there's still obligations and um, paths that they've chosen. So um, what did it feel like to turn back on that path or, or like what advice would you give somebody who might be sitting there going, I'm not confident that there's work for me. Um, you know, at the other end of this PhD, or now that I'm on the other end of it, um, what, 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 what got you through that time to be able to, to have confidence in yourself and and your new business? Um, honestly, like you said, there's a risk to each and I didn't know if my business was going to become as successful as I needed it to become Mm. in order to support my family. At the same mm-hmm. time, I didn't know that if I pursued the PhD that I would end up with a tenure, Yeah, <laughs> you know? So either way, it was a risk and I kind of just had to weigh where does my passion lie? What makes me feel really good? Like at the core, mm. um, what makes me feel like I'm giving back in that way that I've always felt needed to like that I always felt like I needed to do. Um, What is the overhead that is going to cost me to run a business versus Mm -hmm. how much is it going to cost me to go to school and then possibly not even have a job there to be able Mm -hmm. to pay that back Mm -hmm. or to pay for it. (laughs) Um, So there was so much going on. And I, I remember so clearly that it was such a struggle for me. And that's why, honestly, I feel like it was such a opportune and fortunate thing that I found you when I did because uh what brought me to and like for anyone listening I found Lindsay when her and Emily were doing the funnel playground and mm-hmm. so when I found you it was like okay yes there's this tool I can learn how to use but also look at Lindsay and look at what she's doing and mm. she had the courage to leave academia and do this thing. And that's basically what I'm thinking about right now. So I really like to follow her journey and see if maybe I can Mm. learn something from that. And so I did. And I remember so clearly one day I messaged you and I said, you might not remember this even, but I said, Lindsay, I am actually on break from, you know, going through grad school. And I, I'm really struggling with this decision, whether to go back or not. And you kind of just took the time, which was amazing to talk me through it. And so that was really, that made such an impact on me because like you didn't tell me what to do. You just Mm. asked me the questions that encouraged me to think about it in a different way. And Mm -hmm. I don't even remember what those questions were like right now, but I just remember that it had such a profound impact on me. And just kind I of may or may not be scrolling our message I- chat right now. <laughs> <laughs> I'm trying to see. I might. So I'm trying to see. Yeah, <laughs> it was so long ago. <laughs> yeah, so I'm looking that at was it literally right now. Seventeen. Yeah, so this is yeah. April 2017, and you accidentally. <laughs> this is 
so good. You accidentally requested access to Funnel Playgrounds community. And so we wrote you and we're like, sorry, like, we don't see your transaction or something. Uh, Let us know if you did pay. And you're like, oh, I didn't realize. And you're like, can you give me some details? So I give you Funnel Playground stuff. And you're like, I'm a VA trying to set up some courses and passive income for when I go back for my master's. So that is interesting because like you were really clear that was the side income stuff. And I'm like, amazing, Um, smart move or something like that. And then I think we were closing that night by chance. And you're like, is it full, (laughs) blah, blah, blah. And then you're like, what did I say? I said, I know the higher ed world well. And you're like, yeah, my field is English, research-based thesis. So do you teach? It sounds like you wear a lot of hats. And I said, no, I quit in December. So that was only like a few months into quitting. This is before we even sold our house. We were about to sell our house. You're like, you had tenure? Why did you leave? You're like, sorry, I'm just very curious. I'm considering (laughs) pursuing the tenure track later. Please tell me if you're busy. And I was like, "Uh, blah, blah, blah. I think I was launching, so I was a little busy. But then... You're yeah, you're so funny. Yeah. So that's pretty much you're just like, I'm rooting for you, blah, blah, blah. I wanted to run this by. I think you were doing something. Oh, that's the post. Oh, here's where you basically say, um, I wrote a blog post and I mentioned you in it. You want to take a look. That was October, which is literally when I was leaving um Sayulita because I saw it at the airport. And then yeah. And I was like, I'm lame and teared up a bit. <laughs> that's what I wrote. Um <laughs> I, this means a lot to me. I still think about my old job, the impact I had with students, and know that I'm still impacting lives means everything. Anyways, okay, cool. Well, you guys just got the play-by-play play play of what we were talking about. So that's how. That's the funny part of all of this, too, is like it's so random, but then when it comes together, it's like not random at all. It's like, you know, you being able to ask me questions about tenure, like, wait, why'd you leave? Like what? This is crazy. And then, and then of course we were also in a community together and I know we talked about it there too. So yeah. So interesting. Okay, cool, 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 cool. So, so I think what I'm taking from this too is like having someone that you can like talk it out with is, is pretty big at this stage. And so finding other examples of people who've made that jump or leap is obviously going to make it a little bit easier. I don't, you didn't message me about when you decided not to go back though. It looks like according, like based on this, but I I feel like I knew that. I feel like maybe you posted on Facebook or something, um, that you decided not to go back. Um, or I guess like pursue the master's work and, and go on to, to do the academic stuff. So, so yeah, so I'm, I'm curious maybe if there's anything else you want to add about that, that point in the journey possibly. Yeah. So I actually ended up asking for an extension from my director ah. for another semester so that they could mm-hmm. hold my space. And then Just I took that time to decide. <laughs> and I think about a month after I messaged you is when I okay. decided. Ah, okay. So I let them know as soon as I decided that, you know, thank you. I appreciate everything you've done for me. I appreciate you holding my space. But I have decided at this time not to pursue this mm. track. And uh, of course, like I handled it very professionally, which I encourage everyone to, you know, uh, you want to keep your contacts and everything, especially if yep. it, you're in a position like I was where people were up to bat for you, mm-hmm, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, totally. I really, truly, to my core, believe that if I had not come into contact with you, that I would have pushed myself too hard. I would have went to school. I mm-hmm. would have struggled with that decision and I would have really overloaded myself and my family, to be mm. honest. So. Mm. 
Yeah. And I, I like because I, there's something, I guess, about seeing other people doing it differently and making different choices. And like I've mentioned on the show and some of the most recent interviews um, that are you know going live right now um, as well, it's like <sighs> there's just not a lot of evidence in out in the world about like PhDs or people with advanced degrees, masters, EDDs, whatever, all the all the letters um, doing other like quote unquote other things outside of something in a school. And um, maybe not so much with masters, but PhDs particularly, it's it's such a like clear path. And so there's been some folks like Chris Humphreys, who's been on here. And then, of course, Isaiah Hinkle, um, who I don't think the podcast has dropped as of the recording of this, but it will be when everyone listens to this. Um, and these are some guys who've been, you know, are actually showing. And then Jennifer Polk, who actually she re- released today. Um, they've been doing this work for about 10 years, trying to be public about academics not having to, um, you know, go that path. And while you could have done that first, you're also making the choice before you did put in that time and energy, which is a little bit different point in the journey, but also super important to think about because you would have done it if you didn't see this other business owner who had the background that I had say, like, Mm -hmm. I left because of X, Y, and Z. Um, and and for, I've said this publicly on this show a lot, like, you know, I don't believe that we should all leave, but like for some of us, it's the right choice. And I, I think those questions you were asking yourself, you know, where does my passion lie? What makes me feel like I'm making an impact? If you can build a business that is doing that for you, you know, like I kind of talk about, I'm teaching. It's just in a, in a different space. It's like a different version of teaching. It's, it's not in an institution that's outside of it. And it's, it has a chance to be bigger. And so you to be able to help people with their message and their copywriting with the skill that your professor saw in you, um, you don't have to go, you know, to, to, to finish your PhD program and teach college students that, I mean, lots of people need help with writing and communicating effectively. That so is would so you say? <laughs> so would you say was it was it an income thing too? Like, were you starting to land some clients consistently and recognize? Like, would you say it's a combo of the money in the bank account and being like, oh, this I can do this with the like mental and passionate kind of emotional piece where you're like, I also really enjoy doing this. Was it like a combo of the two or would you say one weighed more than the other? I know that's like a tough question, but. Yeah, I I actually would definitely say that it was more the purpose and passion leading me Mm. than the income, because at that point, I really hadn't hit a point in my business where it was like consistent enough Mm. that I was confident that it would sustain me. Yep. However, I believed in the path enough to know yep. that it would happen eventually and faster than it would if I pursued. Yes. Teaching. Yes. So. That's, I remember when I heard when that I thought that myself, um, I also left when it wasn't like all this money in the, you know, uh, you know, everyone has different tolerance levels for risk and there's no perfect way of doing this in any in any way, shape or form. But um, I also remember being like, if I stay, it's only going to hold me back. So for me, I'm kind of more of an all in kind of person. And um, so I like that you're painting this picture, too, because there really is no perfect time to make the decision, I think, is is another like 
message I hear in your story. And I also resonate with, cause it, it, you know, reminds me of when I was making the choices I was making too, that it's both risky. Their risks are in different places and that you have to just like bet on yourself, like is really what you're doing when you decide to, yeah, like go all in, in something like this. Um, but at the same time, recognize that there are ways to do it where, yeah, build a side hustle, do it on the side. That's also very, very possible um, with the right strategies and the right like, um, you know, processes, I guess, or like ways of doing it. But like, I love that um, for you, it was leaning more towards, yeah, the money wasn't perfect. Like it wasn't like I reached this like magic number because I think a lot of people wait like, oh, Mm -hmm. I have to hit this or I have to do that. And sometimes those markers are positive and good and they help you. And sometimes those markers make you hold off making a choice that um, that then you're just like basically saying, oh, yeah, it didn't work out, you know, or it's not working out because I'm not supposed to do it. Right. Totally. And I I think it's really important to as we're having this discussion to highlight like I'm an open book. I'm going to tell you exactly how it is. It wasn't easy. Mm-mm. The online world wants to paint a picture like creating a business is easy and you don't have to mm. sacrifice and you can be sitting on a beach within a year with a Mai Tai in your hand <laughs> working four hours a week. And it's not like that at all. We all know mm-hmm. like those of us who really put in the work know that. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, it is a big risk and it takes some work and you're not going to get there right away. But like you said, if you wait for the day where you've hit that magic number or you've hit that, you know, goal, like that day might not come. Mm. (laughs) So Mm -hmm. like that day might not come fast enough. Mm. And you don't know that if you make the other decision and you continue your tenure track, you don't know that you're going to get the position that you want either. Like you don't know that that goal is going to be reached. So everything's a risk. Everything. Life, man. Life's a risk. Boom. (laughs) No, but it's true. Like, I think you're bringing up such a good, like that connection to, you don't even know if you're going to get tenure and the numbers in many cases, depending on the field, depending on lots of stuff are pretty stacked against you. I talk about that a little bit with Isaiah Hinkle at the beginning of his business, which was about 10 years ago now. He was saying, once he just started sharing the like, dire numbers in academia about like how few of the people were going to get jobs, his business kind of blew up because people were like, oh shit, because <laughs> someone was being really honest. So if we're being really honest with ourselves, that path isn't necessarily, um, you know, something that's un- like not risky or stable. I do think too, though, that like getting the per- professor job, I think it's, I think it would be a little more difficult as an adjunct or a part-timer to maintain that like an adjunct income, you know, travel where you need to travel to get your courses and build a side hustle where I think the full-time job really helped me build um, my business, like, you know, in my time off because I had that stability. So I recognize that, you know, employment at the institutions are, obviously there's different resources that people have access to depending on where they fit in the hierarchy. Um, but it's, it's also possible too. And I think getting even, even getting adjunct jobs, unfortunately aren't as guaranteed as they used to be. Um, and that you might have to move. Right. And so it's so location based, um, where this work that we do online isn't like you literally could be doing it from anywhere. So I think it's important to like weigh your options, I guess. And like, for me too, it's like, 
it's, it's, there's, you mentioned overhead, right? Um, when you build Mm -hmm. a service-based business, you have your labor to sell, right? Um, well, that's what we have in a capitalist economy, but that's a side conversation, but yeah, you have your labor (laughs) to sell, right? So, um, you can kind of start with like very little overhead. And so when you're starting a degree, you know, some of us are taking out loans and we might get a TA gig that still doesn't really cover everything. And um, you start to recognize like, oh, I, I actually might need something else to sustain myself even while you're in school. So I encourage, I, I'm always encouraging people to play with um, how you could help somebody in this space because it's a great side, like having extra, you know, 500, $1,000 a month is huge in people's lives. Um, and that's where I come into like, or I'm like, I accidentally started a business. I wasn't looking to leave this at all. I had no reason to want to leave. And that extra side income really changed my perspective on things uh, because it really showed me what was possible. Because once the money does start to come in, you start to go, oh, wow, my time has value, <laughs> right? Like what I do yeah. has value. Mm-hmm. I think what it, I think it switched for me after I made the decision. And then after I transitioned away from just being a copywriter and then really found my thing. And then I was like, oh my God, I can get paid to do this like thing that I love to do. This is amazing. <laughs> I love that. Yeah. Let's talk a little bit about that. So let's talk a little bit about your business now that we know kind of the backstory, um, because I also like to paint on this show what you're saying, that it's freaking hard and that your niche is going to shift and what your offers are going to, you know, you make out in the world shift. So, um, so yeah, why don't you tell us a little bit about what you do now and anything you want to highlight about, you know, what it took to get to where you're at now? Because I'll say this, Amber, like watching you for the last couple of years, I can see like it, you're in your zone and like, you've, I think, are getting so much more clear on like who you help and how you specifically help them. And it's really cool to see that when you watch people go, oh yeah, they're doing what they're supposed to be doing. Yeah. Thank you so much for noticing. Um, yeah, yeah, I'm totally in my zone. I love what I do now. Like it gives me so much fulfillment. I'm making a difference in people's lives and then helping them make a difference in other people's lives. Mm -hmm. It's amazing. a journey for sure. So like you mentioned earlier from my message, I started out as a content VA and Mm -hmm. that happened because I had a lot of mindset issues. Like, you know, first of all, I never thought I would be a business owner in the first place. And then like, I didn't have, I didn't go through the grad program. I didn't have the PhD. Um, And those mindset issues I know came from those 40 applications, right? (laughs) Um, And like, I didn't have 10 years of copy experience. So I didn't think I could come onto the space and call myself a copywriter. Mm. So I started as a content VA. Well, within... Actually, it was at the end of April. So it must have been right after that message you read earlier. I realized, okay, well, if I'm going to call myself a VA, people are going to treat me like a VA. They're not going Mm. to treat me like a copywriter. They're just going to give me orders to fill and they're not going to appreciate the research part of it. So then I quickly shifted into the copywriting identity at the end of April, beginning of May of that year, um, which was 2017. And within about, let's see, May, June, about within about three months of working with clients, 
I noticed a trend in all of the projects that I was taking on. And that was that they wanted to come in and hire me to do their copy so that they could have, you know, better conversions, make more money, sound better, but they hadn't done the inside work first Mm. that they needed to do so that I could represent them. And this is why a lot of people hire copywriters and they get really upset with copywriters because they feel like they can't write a voice because the copywriter doesn't know how, because the business owner hasn't done that inside work. Is not clear on that. Yep. So yes. So I saw the gap and then I did something about it. I created a framework that goes through a really deep dive process to, it's almost like therapy, honestly. So I do clarity (laughs) sessions with the client and I pull out their personality. I do market research, surveys, interviews, talk to their clients, find out what they care about, find out what their goals and their values are pull all of that together into a messaging, positioning, and marketing guideline. And so I created this thing and I knew it was my thing. Like I knew it was so needed. It was like my own little blue ocean, right? And Mm -hmm. so I was like, yes, I finally found something like people need so bad. But at the same time, nobody else was doing this thing the way that I was Mm. doing it. And so Mm -hmm. I held on to copywriter identity for so long because I kept saying in groups, in uh, in uh, requests for proposals and stuff like that, copywriter, copywriter, copywriter. Yeah. And so I thought, okay, I guess I have to keep calling myself a copywriter <laughs> because that's what people are asking for. Mm-hmm. So I would, or I didn't even market this thing. Like I didn't market my framework. I didn't say I was doing it. I just, I would get a client and I would say, hey, you need this thing. I do this, this is where thing. you start. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So let's skip ahead to last year. In the spring of last year, I did several of these uh, frameworks for people and I had three clients cry on delivery calls within Mm -hmm. a month. And Mm -hmm. that's when I knew I was like, okay, it's time. This needs to be my thing. I need to just get shed the copywriter identity, step all in because people need this. And that's how brand individuation was born. (laughs) So pretty cool, pretty cool journey. Yeah, really cool. And I, what I like to highlight about this, because um, I think almost, I mean, most of my friends who've have like service-based business, you have to start somewhere, which is key. And then you start noticing patterns and trends and like how you help people and you get the, the feedback from the clients and the experiences. And you're like, oh, that was actually really awesome for them. Or like, I could tell that really, you know, like, you know, help them get more clear or whatever your things is. And then you start realizing, oh, I can package that specifically because now you have the evidence from these previous clients. So I think I I always like to talk about like starting a service-based business and just starting to help people um, and not getting too hung up on pricing or anything like that, but making sure you can help them get a very specific outcome um, in the language that they know. And so you were really clear on that. They were asking in these groups for copywriting help. And then you knew what they really needed. But in order for them to be able yeah. to find you and for you to really make your mark and really create this blue ocean was to build that bridge between doing like copywriting, but then like the deeper piece, which is what you really actually do. And then when you start to get known for that, then you can start publicly talking about, not publicly, but like front end leading with marketing around that because now people trust you and like you have the testimonials and the case studies and the evidence that it works. And so you then start kind of carving out that, that new 
you know, angle on maybe the old way, like why copywriting hasn't worked for you or, or why hiring a copywriter hasn't worked for you. And then people know, oh yeah, I've experienced that not working and it sucks. <laughs> right. Um, yes. So I love that. And I'm glad, you know, happy that you shared, you know, that story because so people really see, is there any like looking back, is there anything you wish you did a little differently or any kind of whatever, like mistake or failure that you'd like to point out that might prevent someone else from doing that? Anything you want to share about that process that like didn't work or you wish you did it faster? Anything looking back? Um, okay. So first of all, I'd like to preface this with the <laughs> statement that I believe in the journey and mm-hmm. I believe that the journey is necessary and important. And so I typically don't say that I would like to go back and change anything because mm-hmm. I honestly believe, you know, like Sir Isaac Newton says, every reaction, every action has an equal and opposite reaction. And unless you take the actions and follow the path, you don't know like what's going to happen. It's true. So I appreciate my journey. I wouldn't change the Mm -hmm. journey. The only thing that I would change is just being more confident in my own abilities sooner. So Mm -hmm. the (laughs) mindset, the mindset's always the issue with everybody, right? Mm -hmm. (laughs) The imposter Mm -hmm. syndrome, the who am I to say this is my thing and this is what I do? Mm-hmm. Um, that is something that I wish I had addressed sooner. But, uh, you know, even so, it's it's the journey that matters. Mm-hmm. And I had to overcome those. So, yeah, I wouldn't change yes. it. Yeah, I love that. And I'm, yep, same. Like, I look back and I was like, man, I was talking about this. I wish I went all in and trusted myself. I think it always comes back to yeah. trust you know, um, confidence, like that kind of stuff. And like being able to turn off that voice. That's like, well, maybe it won't work or, and, and for me, it's funny. I think I look back and I'm like, I was being told by people early on, like, yeah, you know, uh, early 2016 fall, 2016, when I was like leaving and I was like really into the professor stuff in, in this space. And when I went into Funnel Playground, I actually moved back from it a little bit, unfortunately. And I don't regret that because actually, it actually, <laughs> I look back now and I'm like, oh my God, the marketing is so important. And I had to be by Emily, like, and be by her side and figure this, you know, internet marketing world together because I learned so much during that. But um, that yeah. year also felt really off. And I talk about this because that was the year before the podcast really started. And um, I felt also very, separate from academia. And I went like all in on the business world, but I had to do that just like you're saying in order to (laughs) really have this show and recognize, Oh, I didn't feel whole running my business because I, I left this background out. So you're so on point with the, it's all about the journey and we all have different lessons to learn from our journey. Like we all have different experiences and things that have happened to us in our life that is going to make us doubt ourselves and all that stuff. And so but then we also experience it potentially so we can help other people, right? And that's that key piece of um, it's not necessarily about what I do it differently, but I, you know, most people would come in and say, I wish I trusted myself. And a bunch of people were telling me in fall of 2016, a bunch of marketers, they're like, no one resonates with the word teacher. Like, don't use that word, like not in this space. And then here I am now, you know, in 2019, um, and that's that's my market is like using that word because people resonate with it, whether or not they went into teaching at all. Like they just resonate with someone going, yeah. oh, yeah, that's what I love doing in business. I love teaching because they know it's teaching. So it's so funny. Yes, I could have 
you know, trusted myself more, but I was also a baby business owner and like they were kind of right in some ways. And so, you know, sometimes I look back and was like, oh, I wish I trusted myself and my instinct. But at the same time, just like I said, I, I had to actually step away from that professor. It's not that I didn't step away from professor in like my branding, but I stepped away from it in some of the choices I made about how I showed up online, I think is, is really what it was. And I was just kind of, I wasn't denying that I was an academic, but I wasn't really fully embracing it. And then, you know, this podcast was born as a result because it was like, oh, <laughs> as a business owner, and you probably would really want to speak more to this as a business owner, especially when you're branding, it's really about all of you, you know, like what you're probably what your framework covers, right? Like the values yes. and the belief systems and like what you care about and the outcomes you want for your clients and how you deal with them. It's all your brand. And so when there was a part of me that was like shut off, that's not positive, um, you know, for a brand in its entirety. Exactly. And that's what I kept seeing happen with my clients, which is why I kind of stepped into this role for mm-hmm. them. And then even after, which what this is the interesting part, even after I started to step into this role for others, I didn't allow myself to step into it fully uh. for myself. <laughs> mm. <laughs> so it took me putting myself through my own process, literally mm-hmm. doing a brand individuation on myself to I come out that. the other side, like, okay, this is who I am. This is who I'm for. And if you're cool with that and you want, like, you want in on it, awesome. If you don't, that's cool too. I'll still support you. So, yeah, totally. I love it. You're, and you're bringing up something that happens. It's so funny because, and this is kind of your like space, right? Like what you do, but like that idea of like you have to niche down and you have to be vocal about who you are here for. But it, it's a journey mm-hmm. to find that. And we hear that that all the time in like learn how to market, right? <laughs> like marketing 101 online. It's like take a stand, you know, be a little polarizing, whatever that means. But you obviously have to have a stance somewhere um, because then uh, people are attracted to you having that stance um, and speaking out in a way that's different than all the copywriters. Or for me, it was all the people that help with courses and I think I I also it's like, oh, I wish I was taking that stand sooner or I wish I went all in on it. But we can't and and we can't because we have some other things usually to learn with what's going on in our heads. And um, I also like what you were talking about, too, like the idea of using your own thing. Like I've been in several masterminds. That's one thing I've I've kind of. I, I just like learning in groups and getting group feedback. It's a it's a thing I enjoy. And every mastermind, it's always like, it's so much easier to give advice in those settings to other people. But like, we tend Mm -hmm. not to take our own advice for whatever reason. And um, I think that's something I learned in running a business too. It's like, I can be like, oh, I can help you with your course, blah, blah, blah. Oh yeah. Don't worry. It took me two and a half years to launch a course. (laughs) Right? Like, And so (laughs) from a teaching perspective, I always say too, like you teach what you most need to learn. Right? And so we're out right. there teaching and helping our friends and clients do stuff. And then when it comes to our own stuff, we have all these reasons why it's not going to work or now's not the time or my situation is different that we uh, don't listen to our own advice. That's very true. It's kind of like <laughs> the saying, those who can't do teach, well, no, like yes. you need to not do quite. before you <laughs> teach. For sure. Oh. For sure. 
Super fun. Well, this has been really fun, Amber. I'm trying to think if there was any closing or parting words or advice you have um, based on what we talked about, like kind of any like last things you want to say to somebody who's maybe running their business right now, feeling a little stuck or in academia in some part of their journey in that choice model that you'd like to offer some tips or um, some parting words of wisdom? Sure. So if you're in academia stuck, I would recommend, like we talked about earlier, just finding those people to reach out to and connect with. Mm. Um, For me, it was you. And also, like I didn't even mention, I had a discussion with my director at grad school Ah, too. And he was actually like, do you, are you sure you want to do this? This is what you're up against. Mm -hmm. And it was very shocking for me for him to say that to me. Honestly, I didn't expect it at all because like they want to recruit people into their programs, right? For sure. Yeah. that was surprising. So just just having those people in both realms give yep, you feedback yep. is like so important. And then also equally important is not taking advice and suggestions from people who don't aren't in either realm, right? So like family and friends who might want the best for you but might not know what the best for you is maybe those aren't really the people that you need to talk through these things with, right? <laughs> um, Ooh, that's a good point. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. So, and then also from the business perspective, a lot of people get stuck because they think like they don't stand out. There's nothing special about them or they don't know how to mm. differentiate themselves. And there's always something. There is always your own magic. Like everybody has their own brand of magic. It's just a matter of figuring out what that is. And for me, like the number one way to figure out what that is, is just to talk to your people because your people, even if you don't realize that they're noticing it are noticing it. So Mm. reach out to people who are following you, talking to you, collaborating with you, working with you and talk to everyone you can and get their feedback. Yes. That's such good advice in both realms. I love that. Yeah. Thank you so much, Amber. So where are you hanging out right now? Where can people connect with you? Thank you, Lindsay. Um, I am mostly on Facebook. So facebook.com backslash the brand individual. Mm-hmm. And I'm also on LinkedIn, linkedin.com. Oh, cool. Slash in slash the brand individual. And then I have my new member vault where Yay. all of my resources are. Yes. <laughs> That's a platform that uh, both of us use. <laughs> It's so um, that good. Holds, like resources and stuff. It is really great. Awesome. Well, we will link to all of the bo- above or below. I don't know. I guess it'll be below, but everything she's mentioned <laughs> will be linked there. Um, so yes, Amber, thanks so much for stopping by, sharing your story. I think um, I just, I loved having this conversation because I I like putting pointing out like the, yeah, the, the different stages of making the choices that we're making um, with the path to academia or the path in entrepreneurship. And I think you're a super unique person and I'm so glad you're in my life um, and that you're a part of my journey, which has been really awesome too. So Amber, thank you so much for sharing everything with us and being open. And uh, yeah, we'll have to have you back sometime. We'll chat about more stuff. Thank you, Lindsay. You're the best. Yay. Yay.